Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Good. Well, it's it's, um, great to be here and it's, um, it's been a while, actually. Since I've stood up here and shared the word, um, and that's um, really down to the fact that um, I've had a really busy year this year. I, um, in fact, it's a month since I've been to church. This, today was like I, I hadn't been to church for a month, so you should actually throw me out now because it was really bad. But, but I, I was actually away on holiday um, for a couple of weeks, um, and that, that was really good. Um, and prior to that, I'd been travelling a lot with work and doing stuff. But while I was away on holiday, one of the things um, that we really noticed was our son Paul, for those of you who don't know, our son Paul's 21 and he's got um, autism. And one of the things about autism is that you very much live in your own world and you do your own thing. But one of the things we really noticed on holiday was Paul started mimicking or copying what I was doing. And for example... If I took my shades off, he would take his shades off. If I put, hung my shades on my T-shirt, he would hang his shades on his T-shirt. And he would check to see what way I hung them and which way we were facing. And it had to be just right. If I picked up my glass and had a drink, he would pick up his glass and had a drink. And he was copying exactly what his father was doing. And he was saying, I, yeah, okay, so this is what I should do. And so much so that after the holiday, I'd, and I hadn't been here for three weeks... I scarved off last Sunday and went away with Paul for the weekend. Just a father and son kind of weekend. And it was really good. Um, and I thought, I need to sow into his life. You know, I need to... It's my responsibility to teach him, you know, to sow into his life. So, and that leads me on to what I'm going to talk about tonight. Um, tonight, um, we're still doing the retrospective um, series. And uh, we're preaching, for those that you don't know, um, an old sermon that Kevin preached years ago and we've all had the, the, the pleasure of uh, getting Kevin's notes and trying to understand them and decipher <laughs> them and work out because well, FB has their own style don't they? and every bullet points and this and that and circle this and you go eh, what, what, what does that mean <laughs> and so, but tonight I'm speaking on picking up the mantle okay? so picking up the mantle what is that and I thought you know before we, we pick it up we need to know what it is. Well, I've got a mantle right here. This is a mantle. It's a cloak. And a mantle is, in biblical times, was an outer cloak. And it was basically used as a covering, as a garment to keep warm. And it was there to protect. If I can tie this. There you go. How's that look? Is that Okay. Not good. No, not good. In biblical times, it was quite exceptional. However, tonight, it's a bit dodgy. But, but it was basically, in some cases, the only shelter that somebody had. I mean, it obviously would have been a lot thicker than this robin cape, by the way. But um, it was essentially there to keep you warm and dry. And it was there to give you protection from elements. See, the mantle shields us from life's storms. Um, And 
I want to give you, start off with a bit of a story about a storm, if you like, a, in my, a bit of a storm in my life to show how that works exactly. Um, in earlier this year, it goes back to April, a sunny Saturday afternoon. And those that you know me, you know I'm into my motorbikes. Um, and I was at a run this Saturday afternoon, and Carrie, my wife, also rides a bike. She was with me. So we were out the road and that came down to a roundabout. And I looked at a roundabout and I, when I'm riding with Carrie and I'm always conscious there's two of us and I'm thinking, well, I have to kind of make sure that if I go, she can go and stuff. And so I came down to this roundabout and I looked and there was a car coming up quite fast and I thought, I could probably make it, but Carrie probably won't. I'll stop. So I stopped, fine, and then I just felt this poof and this noise. And as I looked up, Carrie clipped aside of me went hurtling past me, lost control of her bike, and she's going flying down the road on her bike towards the roundabout, right? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. So I pulled, she stopped before she hit the, hit the main road on her side, the bike sliding that way. So I pulls inside and goes to see Karen and see if she's okay. And she's like, oh, what happened there? <laughs> that thing. But she was absolutely fine, right? She was, because she had all the protective clothing on she was absolutely fine. Now, uh, and took, you know, sat her up, got her bike to the side of the road and stuff. Um, n- no problem at all. So she went, I thought you were going to go. Because no, I stopped. Uh, and she, she accelerated as I stopped. So she accelerated into me, basically. I said, you know, if you want to get rid of me, just stick something in my tea or something, you know. <laughs> but you don't actually have to crash your bike into me. Because it's like, you know. And of course, and me as well, I was like, my bike was a month old. So for once I'd made sure Karen was all right. I, was my bike all right? <laughs> so I, you know, I need to check my bike. You know. So bike was fine. And I thought, but the thing I'd felt when it happened was I felt something clip my back and something clip my side. That was all I felt. And I had all the gear on, obviously. Um, so Karen's bike got taken away because it was broken and stuff. And, and I said, Karen, you jump in the back of me and we'll ride home. Uh, she said, are you okay? I said, yeah, my leg's a bit sore, but... I said, it'll be fine, because I can stand, I'm walking, it's, not, it's obviously not broken, it's like, I'm fine. So, jump on the back, so um, we rode home, that's fine. Right in. So I went to take my gear off, and so, uh, my bike boots, took off my bike boot, and my leg was like bruised from here, down to here, right? And it was turning sort of darker than this carpet kind of thing. <laughs> and Karen's like, you should maybe go and see about that. Be fine. I'm walking. It's like, hey, what's, what is the problem? It's like I'm absolutely fine. I can, I can walk. I can, you know, stand on one leg. I can, you know, it's like I, I, I'm okay. So that was a Saturday. Saturday, fine. Keep to church on Sunday, fine. On Sunday afternoon, I took the dog out for a three mile walk. All fine. Monday, went to work. I could hardly walk. <laughs> it's like, and it was getting bigger and more coloured. But anyway, I thought, well, it's just bruised. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just bruised. You know. So, the bruising will go down, that'll be fine. The problem was, and this is a longish story, but I'll keep going. <laughs> um, I was due to start a new job in two weeks' time. I was due to fly to Dubai to start the job. And I thought, flying and, you know, that kind of, it's an eight-hour flight, bruised. So, I phoned the doctor, the sensible chap I am, and uh, or my wife insisted, uh, <laughs> and explained, and they went, look, doing the right thing, phoning, 
it sounds like by this time it's like 10 days and the bruising's going down sounds kind of okay have you got any broken skin I said no not, not really I did have a little scratch but it was like ah, no, not really so okay well just make sure when you're flying you know you don't sit with your, you know, your leg in one place all the time you walk about and maybe put on you know, those really sexy flight socks <laughs> so, ah, okay right we can do that so that was fine so you know, I thought okay God's covered me here good I can start my job Carrying wasn't hurt. Bike's a bit broken. We can fix that. I'm okay. Bit of bruising. Ruin going down. Anyway, I went to Dubai, and uh, no problem. No problem with the flight. Started met the guys and stuff, and I was going to be there for two weeks. Um, I had the whole week, and then the weekend I had a friend there um, that used to work with me, and he said, "Look, I'll take you around the sites and stuff, and you know." show you a bit of Dubai and stuff and I thought okay that'll be that'll be cool so no problem D- did that the following day I'm out and I thought my leg's leaking <laughs> like something like there's something coming out there. <laughs> it's kind of leaking stuff <laughs> you know it's like you know, ugh, it's probably just the heat you know because it, it was like 38 you know and I thought ugh, it's probably just a bit of heat and stuff so I left it that day and then the next day I thought looking good at it. it's really not it's not, not great at all so I went to the pharmacist because I'm thinking this is now like the Monday and I was due to ho- fly home on a Thursday night so I thought a couple of days I'll be home cool so I went to his pharmacist and he said oh I said look, I think I've got like a bit of an infection or something in my leg um, if you've got anything like an antibiotic or something you can give me or something he said oh we'll give you some antiseptic cream and stuff and so they give me that and I'm clarting it on, like, thinking, right, that'll, that'll sort it. That'll be fine. Be, be good. That was on the Monday. Next day, same again. And all I found was it wasn't bad during the day, but at night it seemed to really sort of swell up. I got to the Wednesday. And when I came home from the office that day, I actually couldn't get my trousers down past my leg. My, my leg had swollen up to the size of a rugby ball, right? And it was, like, all kinds of stuff coming out of it and a funny colour. Now... <laughs> I thought it's probably good actually it's not brilliant but what I do so I knew that where I was living in a, in a little apartment there was an American hospital just across the road so this was like 7 o'clock at night so I thought I'll go to the American hospital so I walked across to the American hospital went into the sort of A&E bit spoke to them to wait about a bit and then eventually this guy came and said saw me, took one look at my leg and went it's not good that's really not good sir um, you've got cellulitis right now I'm going what? <laughs> you know, cellulite. it's bad it's really bad I said, oh, well, I said I'm going home tomorrow night, no you're not you're staying here next thing I'm checked into the hospital in Dubai and I thought, okay, yes, that wasn't, I thought I'd get an antibiotic or something like that, you know, something like, have a jab of that, that'll sort you out, get yourself home. No, no, we checked in the hospital in Dubai. The next day, they sent the poison specialist to come and see me, right? And I'm going, poison specialist? <laughs> now, some of it probably gets lost in translation a bit, and it maybe wasn't a bit, anyway, so I said, no, your leg is so, so bad, you could lose it. If we don't catch this now, it could spread. It could spread right up into the upper leg. It could be really, really bad. And I'm going, hmm, I didn't really bank on that, you know, particularly. Um, so, anyway, what we did was we 
decided that they wanted to get the infection out of it. So that says, right, we're going to take you down to the surgery, we're going to open your leg up, and we're going to get the infection out. Right? So that's what we did. They basically took me down, opened my leg up, and I, mean, I was awake during the, the, the procedure, of course, and, 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 and the guy, when he cut my leg, he went, oh! And he said, he said, I've never seen so much infection come out of one wound. Right? Never seen so much. And I, so I said, oh, okay. It's good to get out then, eh? But, <laughs> but anyway, we, we dressed it all up, and they, they, I remember seeing it, I pulled this little gauze thing out, and it's pulling it out like this out of a jar. And I thought, where are you putting that? He said, I'm putting it in your leg. And he's stuffing this gauze in my leg. I thought, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that coming out, particularly to be honest. But, of course, they left it open so it you know, could drain properly. And so every day, I had to get dressing changed, and this went on for like four days. So I won't bore you with all the gory details, okay? But, but, <laughs> but at the end of it, the poison doctor, when she came round, she said, you know something? She says, you've got a very strong spirit, Mr. Simpson. Because what you had, you shouldn't have been able to fight in the time that you've thought this off. And you're healing. Your body has healed quicker than we expected. And that you can go home. You know? And the mantle of God is on my life. And it protects me. The mantle of God covers you and protects you. That's what it does. Now, you know, you might ask why do things like that happen you know, to people that are committed to God and serve God? Why do th- things go wrong? But like that cloak there, it only covers so far. You know, a, a armour only covers so much. The devil can still get an arrow away and he can still get you and get in at different bits. But if you mantle of God upon you, you are covered. You are covered. And it's the covering of God. That, that's the difference. And yes, the enemy can get in, but... I believe, had I not been under God's mantle, the outcome would have been quite different for me. And I, and I give thanks for that. So, just as a, you know, the mantle covers in the natural, it also it represents a spiritual covering. And it's spiritual authority and anointing. Now, a good example of this um, is Elijah and Elisha. If we look at 1 Kings in chapter 19, and I'm going to read from verse 19. This is about Elisha following Elijah. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the twelve. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh. Nice. (laughs) Using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. See, Elijah was basically a, a good man. He was a prophet in Israel. And Elisha saw something in Elijah and when Elijah threw his mantle on he said I want that and he picked up that mantle 
He said, that's what I want. And in doing so, he said, I want to be like you. What you have, I want. And it was that mantle over him that started Elisha's journey. See, we tend to look at what we see on the outside, but God looks at what he sees on the inside. And it was what was on the inside of Elijah was what Elisha wanted. It wasn't the old cloak, because that would have been a pretty scabby old thing, to be honest. (laughs) But he knew that something was being imparted to him. And that's what he wanted. And, uh, you know, I say, God doesn't see as we do. He sees differently. He, he He looks right in at the heart and says, what is in that heart? What is there that I can use? And an example, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, we'll look at that. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as man sees. For a man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And in today's world, so often we judge what we see on the outside that's the standard if you like that's what's been put on us is to say what do you see or they look good folk or they don't you know and we can miss it completely we can miss it completely because we're looking at an outer outer appearance but God looks at an inner heart and says what can I do with that and Elijah had so much on the inside he was able to impart to Elisha and that's what coming under the mantle means is to come under something and get that anointing passed on. And that's exactly what Elisha did. He said, okay, I'll come under you. I want what you've got. Uh, To give you the flip side of that, if you look at Luke 18, verse 18, and this is about a rich young ruler, it's exactly the opposite, if you like. It says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. But when he heard this he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. See, you can't truly hold on to the old and truly embrace the new. And this young man he saw the mantle on Jesus and he wanted it. He thought, yeah, I want that. But he actually his wealth and possessions had such a hold of him, he wasn't prepared to take off the old and put on the new. And that Whereas Elisha was the exact opposite. He said, let me honour my father and mother and I'll come and follow you. And God is looking for men of honour to take up his mantle. In verse 20, that's what it says, he left the oxen and ran after Elijah. He said, please let me kiss my father and mother that I will follow you. So Elisha honours his parents first and Elijah let him do that. Then he came and followed him. And that's being 
honourable. And that's what he, what he did. It's, and it's a, we're not, nobody's saying dishonour your family. But honour our family and we're able to pick up the mantle and go with what God's calling us into. And in, in doing that, we, what we're doing is actually we're demonstrating that we are of good conscience. Let's look at Acts 24 and verse 16. And that says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offence towards God and men. Again, you know, we should have a good conscience to both God and men. And that's, again, to your, this is what Elisha showed. He had a good conscience towards his, his parents, but he had a conscience toward God and wanted to follow Elijah. Um, and I, you know, it says, I, I myself strive to have a conscience. So, you know, I, I personally, I, I like that word strive. I know often we say, oh, you shouldn't have to strive. But I think it's good to strive for things of God. You know? For me, it, it demonstrates something of an effort. That, you know, somebody's striving for something. They're trying. You know, that saying, you know, God loves a trier. And it's often used in the wrong context. But actually... I think he does. I think he does love a trial. He likes to see somebody who's saying, yeah, I'm going to try that. I'm going to have a go at that. Effort's important because, you know, picking up the mantle, actually it's not that easy a thing. I want to look at a little bit more in what's involved and maybe discover a bit more about what the mantle does. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 2. And this is near the end of Elijah's life before he goes into heaven. Okay. Um, it says this, And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today and he said yes I know keep silent see that persistence him. and then Elijah said to him Elisha stay here please for the Lord has sent me to Jericho but he said as the Lord lives and as your soul lives I will not leave you so he came to Jericho now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today so he answered yes I know keep silent then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me onto the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took up his mantle, rolled it, and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when he crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit upon me. So in other words, what you've got, I want twice as much of. I want double what you've got. So he said, You ask a hard thing, but nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened, as we continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, 
and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up with a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore it in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the banks of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen, struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets, who were from Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. See, before Elijah was taken to heaven, he, he wanted to impart something further to Elisha. He wanted to say, look, I'm going, but what can I, what can I do for you? But Elisha, by this time, had spent a lot of time with Elijah. He'd been under the mantle of Elijah for quite some time. But what he said was, I want a double portion. I want what you've got and more. And you know, as I say, Elijah said, that's, that's really not going to be easy. But, and he didn't make it easy because he, he put conditions right in front of him. He said, okay, if you see it, if you see it, then it can happen. But he did, that's the point. He saw it. And he then went and picked up that mantle. And it highlights to me that the effort sometimes that is required in picking up the mantle. It, it's not necessarily an easy, an easy thing, but it does some things. It, and actually, if you look at it there, what it, it actually fast tracks you into the anointing of God. Because what we see is that the people around and then went the same spirit, and they recognised it. That wouldn't have been recognised in Elisha had he not been fast-tracked in that way by having the mantle of Elijah upon him. And Elisha went on from there and ministered under that anointing. And actually the thing is, he asked for a double portion. And actually that's exactly what he got because in the Bible it had actually recorded twice as many miracles for Elisha as it was for Elijah. So he asked for double and he got double exactly what you got you know God gives us what we ask for but we have a part to play but by picking up the mantle what it does is actually establishes the call to actually say see that call that's on your life this will establish it and it's like coming under the mantle of this church establishes a call that's in, in your life God calls us here for a reason but you know I remember way back having a conversation with Kevin about the mantle of the church and one of the things he said to me he said, oh, you know, when you came here it was a very short time and you had recognised the mantle of the church and picked it up unconsciously possibly on my part but the point is it's here and by coming under the mantle of the church you allow God to work in your life it's like an apprentice working with a journeyman you come alongside somebody and you're covered by them and that skill set that they have you're working hand in hand so it rubs off on you and you learn and you learn the craft and Elisha learned from Elijah by working in that close proximity so 
that when opportunities come, you'll be correctly positioned to step up to them. Yeah? But you have to pick up the mantle of God and of his church. So they do that. And the thing is, God doesn't actually ask us to go it alone. He puts us in this family for a reason so that we can learn from each other. We can develop our gifts together. Develop a style that's very much the mantle of a house. And, you know, I've I've seen people, you know, maybe say, well, I'm, I'm leaving church. I'm just going to, just me and God. Just me and God. No, I'm going to go it alone. It's just a disaster. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a train wreck, you know. Um, we need to be accountable. And by coming under the mantle of God, and it, the accountability is there because the shielding and the protection is taking place and we're in a safe place and the vulnerability angle it diminishes you know and just as I started off you know just as my son Paul watches and copies me we want to watch and copy each other as we grow in this church family together we want to say oh how does Brian do that I like I understand that get alongside Brian say I like that and learn and see we can do that by working together so in closing I want to say this what do we do with this well to be honest for many nothing because you're there you've picked up the mantle and you're operating under it just make sure you don't lay it down just don't lay it down because you know you could say okay mantle pretty busy at the moment <laughs> you know can't do that stuff so you can lay it down forget it. stay under it but maybe for some of you think haven't actually heard of that before haven't heard of that mantle thing and maybe that's a bit that you say well why am I not getting to where I should be in God well you need to be under the mantle of the house because you need to be protected you need to be supported to grow in God you can't do it on your own that's the thing so you need to pick it up and for some, as I'm saying, you know, you've maybe put it down. Well, you know, the good news in that is you can pick it back up again. Just as you put it down, you can say, actually, I can go back there. I can pick up that again. Because it's not over in God. You know, um, Hattie, other night, Fuel, spoke about, you know, the call of God and how maybe something God called you to years ago maybe hasn't happened in your life. But it doesn't mean it's not going to happen and you can pick it up again and I just want to encourage you to do that so um, I'd like to just pray if I can um, and in particular for sort of that two areas for, for folk that um, maybe have laid down the mantle but you pick it back up again okay um, and if you haven't been in that place in your life yet and you think I want to do that for the first time and you know that's good as well so I'm just going to pray I'm not going to ask folk to come forward and, and altar calling you know we only um, can close our eyes and pray um, and all I'd ask is if if either of those two things relate to you if you could just you know while eyes are shut maybe just raise your hand just so I know that I, I, I can pray okay. Father I just thank you that you put in place your mantle to protect us and that we can come under it and be safe 
that we can come under it and be assured that you're watching over us. And by being under your mantle, Lord, we can grow. And I just pray for folks that maybe have uh, laid down their, their mantle at some point and are willing to pick it back up again. And Lord, I just pray that you'd give them the strength to do that right now. That you'd actually help them stretch down and pick up that mantle again and run with it and run into the promises that you have made for their lives and Lord for maybe those who have maybe never done it before Lord I just pray that you'd help them take that first step you'd help them move forward and do that I just bless you thank you that we're in a church that we can serve in that we can grow in I just ask that you'd be with us all as we go forward in the week ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.